Hello again and welcome to my podcast. Thank you once more for all those who are supporting the cost of having this podcast published. I'm very grateful. Today I have titled the podcast St. Peter, the Pope and the Papacy. The Gospel reading of today is that very important part of St. Matthew's Gospel where Jesus says, You are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. The current pontificate under Pope Francis is worrying and troublesome to many people, and sometimes confusing as well. So I've tried in this podcast to give us some of what the Church teaches about the office of the papacy and the person of the Pope himself. So I hope you find this helpful. In the second reading today from St. Paul, we hear these marvellous words, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. It reminds us that God's ways are confounding, they are mysterious, and we cannot expect to understand what he is doing all the time. You see, God is not part of this world, although he is the creator of everything. God is totally superior to the world. And so therefore, we understand things in this world, but we cannot expect to understand God because he is totally other and superior. One of the secular ideas that we must guard against very carefully is that we know better than not only God, but also our predecessors. That we know now what is true and right and best. That we know the mind of the Holy Spirit better than at any other time in history. In today's Gospel, we see a key manifestation of the plan and the will of the Holy Trinity for the Church. As we know, the Church is both divine and human. We know well the human dimension, don't we? Because we know ourselves. But it is divine also because its existence and its coming into being was the determination of God the Father to call together in a holy church all those who would believe in Christ. Christ made this known and clear by his words and actions. And the Holy Spirit brought the church to the attention of the world with the signs and wonders of Pentecost. So therefore it's not human wisdom or intelligence that has given us the office of the Pope, which is called the papacy, along with the episcopate, the bishops. The pastoral office of the Pope and the bishops belongs to the church's very foundation, It is Christ's direct wish that it be so. And we would be foolish to disregard it, as has been shown over the centuries among those who have rejected the papacy, left the church and gone on to further fragmentation and disunity. Because we have the Pope, we Catholics can be sure that our faith is apostolic, that we are in continuity with the past, right back to St. Peter, that we are as Christ intends us to be. 
Two of the titles of the Pope are the Vicar of Christ and the successor of St. Peter. Therefore the office of the papacy is invested with Christ's authority as the chief teacher and administrator of the church. Through the papacy we can say, heaven governs the church on earth. There is of course the enduring office of the papacy and then each of the 266 individuals who have been elected to be Bishop of Rome. Throughout the history of the Church there have been saintly popes and immoral ones, ones who shone for their leadership and service, and others whose reigns were unremarkable. A distinction exists between the person who occupies the office and the office of the papacy. It's not a separation, but a distinction. And here we approach again, as we do in the lives of the members of the Church, that the Church is both human and divine. Christ gave his authority to his Church in the persons of the Apostles, and he entrusted it to human beings who will at times fail and sin. To breathe divine life into the Church, he promised to send the Holy Spirit who would lead the Church into all truth, remind the Church of what he has taught us, and protect the Church from the assaults of the underworld, namely the devil and his demons. There have been popes who have spread, endorsed, or come close to heresy. Pope Honorius was condemned after his death at the Council of Constantinople in 680 for promoting heresy. There have been popes who have led gravely immoral lives, like Alexander VI, who died in 1503 and had many illegitimate children. Vatican Council I, from 1869 to 1870, carefully defined the infallible nature of papal teaching. It can only be in the area of faith and morals. It must be consistent with Holy Scripture and what has been the tradition of the Church. It must be formally proclaimed and be clearly designated as an exercise of the papal teaching issued infallibly. In this way, the task given to Peter and his successors is protected and guided by the Holy Spirit, who will not allow the Church to fall into error. So there is a hierarchy of papal teachings, descending from the infallible to the ordinary. However, due to modern technology and social media, we have to remember that not every word a Pope may utter is papal teaching. Often it could be more the opinion of the man who holds the office, rather than that of the office itself, and so we could be free to disagree with him. But we must give our submission of will and intellect to the formal and clearly uttered teaching of the Pope, and we should pray that the Holy Spirit will keep him from error and that he will teach with clarity and charity. And we must pray for his protection from all forces which are against the Church and against Christ, whether they are human or supernatural. The Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith helps us when it issued recently a statement that reads, 
Like all the faithful, the Roman pontiff is under the word of God, the Catholic faith. He does not decide according to his own will, but gives voice to the will of the Lord who speaks to man in the scripture lived and interpreted by tradition. In other words, the papacy has the limits set by divine law and the church's inviolable divine constitution contained in Revelation. In conclusion, we pray in the collect of today's Mass that we might love what God commands and desire what he promises. That covers all our lives as we seek God's will, not seeking what the world wants nor what we ourselves desire. It also includes the design that Christ has for the Church. Some seem to think that Christ got it wrong and the Church has to change. Relying on what we hear in the Gospel today, we know that Christ has left no doubt about his intentions. Let us live our lives as humble and faithful members of Christ's Church, so that in all things our hearts may be fixed on heaven, where true gladness is found. Laudato Jesus Christus.